Welcome to Ruby Ray, real and raw conversations for the rising global woman. I am your host, Jacqueline Norton. I'm your host, Jacqueline Norton, and on today's episode, I'm talking with photographer Gina Yang, and I first came across Gina's work when I had gotten back from living overseas, and beyond her photography, the story that she was telling about travel and living a life less conventional or going against the grain and following a deeper pull of your heart, it resonated so deeply with me. And in a way that I hadn't seen a whole lot of people, I guess I wasn't able to relate with a whole lot of people on this level. And she was really speaking to this. And so she's her her work has had a really, it's had a personal impact on my journey with I guess both with traveling and with healing and with nature and with using these things as really healing modalities and vehicles to live a better life, live a more intentional and meaningful life versus escapism, which is a lot of times what we see kind of within the within the travel industry sometimes. So this this episode is called The Pure Essence of Travel. And I really think that this is what Jean captures in in her work and in her storytelling and it's um it's a powerful reminder in in today's age we have these different subcultures shooting off of digital nomads and wanderlust becoming a trending keyword and us being more mobile as a society and as a generation with the ability to move around and experience different lifestyles so her perspective is really important to keep in mind when we think about how we want to live our lives and where we want to live our lives and what really brings us happiness and what risks would that entail for us to arrive at the place that we truly want to be at. So on today's episode, we have a really honest conversation about some of the things that don't always get talked about when it comes to living a life on the road or traveling in general. I know it's one of those things that a lot of these experiences are so hard to sum up in words or in photos. So a lot of times they get reduced down to cliches or just not talked about at all. So I wanted to kind of talk about some of these less less obvious and maybe less exposed parts of traveling and living on the road and living a mobile lifestyle. So we talk about sexual harassment and abuse on the road and our personal story with it. You know, I want to share this because I don't want it to be this. I know as, especially as women and as a Western woman traveling to different places, like one of the first things we hear about what, in my experience, one of the first things I always get is, you know, about the danger of other places. So, you know, to be able to share stories as a way to collectively heal from it and acknowledge it and also to put it in our own narrative, in our own words, is really important so that it isn't this, like, 
fear media dialogue that we're getting our information from, that it's actually coming from personal experience and lived experience and told through our own lens. So it might be triggering for some people, but I think it's important to share these stories. So we'd also talk about building a life of freedom and traveling in nature as vehicles to heal, finding true happiness and bliss in life and living in environments that support you and your your highest expression and bringing purpose and intention into your work and so much more. So thank you so much for being here for another episode. And here is Gina Yang. Hey, Gina, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. So you just recently were in Byron and so what were your first impressions when you first got into town there? Um, I would definitely say, well, so I landed in the Gold Coast Airport and I booked a shuttle to get into Byron and the drive from the airport was just so green. A lot of like farmland and you see the hills in the background and it was just so beautiful. So um, and expansive, obviously, because Australia is so big. But yeah, I just remember thinking like, oh, it's just the nature out here is just incredible. So I feel really lucky to have that, to be reminded of that whenever I go outside. And is there anything about it that is the most surprising or that's caught you off guard? I don't know, actually. I, I would just say, I guess like the other day, yesterday, yesterday, the day before, I went out to a beach called Talos. You know Talos. Mm-hmm. And I was just waiting for like we it was me and like maybe ten other people at the peak and one of the peaks and a pod of dolphins came up and just were like playing with themselves and they were like at least like twelve of them ten or twelve and I had never seen them get so close and they just they weren't even just like swimming past they were they were just having like a little meeting in front of us and I I could they were like three feet away from me oh and my I just. Gosh. I could see like the texture of their skin and I freaked out a little bit. I was just so overcome, yeah. overwhelmed with emotion. And I just, I kind of like squealed <laughs> um, and I just saw everyone else and they kind of looked over and they smiled, but you could tell that they've just, they're just so used to it, you know? And for me particularly, it was my first time being that close to them while like surfing, while sitting on my surfboard. So I guess that was a little, that was definitely surprising. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't think I would not lose it every time a cute little pot of baby dolphins come and just surf waves with me while I'm sitting on my surfboard. Yeah. And to be so close to them, you like realize how powerful those animals are when they're Mm-hmm. in our proximity yeah it puts it into perspective mm-hmm. so you're an american living over in australia while there's all of this tumultuous stuff going on back in the states so what's it like for you experiencing this everything going on in the political and social system while you're outside of it yeah that's a tough one I've been kind of outside of it for about four years now where like I'll keep going back but I'm usually like abroad when some of these things are happening and the only real connection or like the only real conversations that I'm having in person are usually with foreigners like people who just aren't 
Americans and through like the internet. So through Instagram and through Facebook. And I feel like it's definitely, it definitely has like a negative impact on just like feeling like hopeless and things like aren't going to change and feelings like that. But also I, I'm not really sure what just for the media's, you know, the media's like alternate agenda or is this actually happening? So I do kind of try to detach myself a little bit, which might not be the best thing. But yeah, I just I try to like stay away from it and focus on where I am in the present moment while obviously like trying to support people who are kind of dealing with with it firsthand and in the way that I can. Are you hearing any interesting perspectives being kind of surrounded more by an international community where you are? I realize that people just don't. People either really dive deep into politics and I I don't even want to say politics because politics is like the show of it. I would say like, you know, the the actual laws and like the, the things that are changing within the government and the rules and a lot of people don't really know. Most people just don't know and it's hard to understand all of that unless you have the experience. But I do see that there are trends happening outside of the states like Australia just passed just had an election and um, it was very similar in terms of ideology with the states the outcome of the states and the outcome of England so you know you kind of see you definitely kind of see the like the the similarities among these elections and the overall perspectives of you know people who have lived here who have lived in this country and are not in living in cities and metropolitan areas where they have access to a lot of different cultural viewpoints and might actually have friends of different backgrounds. It definitely makes me miss New York a lot whenever I'm in a place where I like just being also being Asian American while traveling is comes with its own set of set of things but you know it it definitely makes me miss New York because New York is one of those places where I will always just I can always just be myself like all of myself and people just won't have any won't have as many prejudgments or expectations of how I should act because of what I look like so yeah but Speaking uh, speaking about other people's perspectives, I mean, obviously, I, I noticed that there are people who will kind of, you know, they're like when I was in Sri Lanka, I remember last year, I had a the man who was taking me to the airport. He was like, oh, you're American. I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, Trump. So good. So good. I was like, really? Like, and he was like, yeah, Trump, like amazing, really good guy, like so lucky. And he's like, yeah, and he has a lot of wives, like a lot of women, like great. And the and at the time I was dating a guy from England and he was just like his face was like his his mouth was just completely like hanging and he was looking at me like are you is he serious or is he joking no we couldn't tell if he was being sarcastic or not at first but he was actually very very serious and I realized I learned afterwards that Sri Lankan media you know completely they had their own opinion on how Trump like who Trump was and like how great he was and obviously it had a little bit to do with the culture but yeah, yeah like really he was totally it. stoked on it and and I don't obviously he didn't really know the other side of the story but yeah the the, the media in Sri Lanka and the way that they kind of positioned him and the election were completely different from how I you know took the news when I heard about it and I was in Morocco so yeah it's 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 very interesting um I think in Australia people are definitely not as uh willing to say that they like Trump because of the back 
backlash that they'll face. Like, I think overall in the States, at least in my immediate surroundings and my social groups, it's not really a great thing that he is president and has done the things that he's done before becoming president. But it is different from, you know, the different countries that you go to, I guess. Right. And I think that's true. You know, the Trump supporters are hanging out kind of amongst each other and it's not really something. Well, and it also just speaks to the sort of division of ideologies in our country. And you don't really see the, you know, the merging of lines too much. Yeah. But it's also really interesting seeing it from a different lens through the different countries and how you know, media portrays the stories in different ways. And we're not all getting the same message. Yeah. What is the truth that you've realized as a female traveler often traveling solo because I know there's so many different perspectives and messages around this topic women there I'm very lucky I guess I realize like I'm very lucky to um, be from a society that obviously like women go through a lot no matter where they live to be from a society that um that just allows me to work and, you know, wear what I want and speak how I want and try to, you know, learn and go to school and all of these kind of things that, that you see a lot of women in other countries that just aren't able to do. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the misogyny and like the, you know, the patriarchy and all of these things, of course, they all of all of that thinking will trickle down into, you know, women getting paid less and and women not being hired in certain fields and all of this like it's still you know such an invasive problem that personally affects all of us um but then I go to you know some of these countries that I've been to and I realize like there are just no women outside past a certain time that don't look like they're traveling you know these local women these local girls that are not able to enjoy the beach or try to go surfing or go and dance and you know be outside and have a dinner I don't know it's very it makes me feel better to see when I'm specifically when I'm like out and I'm in the water you'll see always see local boys in the water but you just never see local girls so whenever I do see a local girl it makes me feel so great inside to just know that that she's going against the grain and, you know, getting in the water and trying to learn something for herself and hopefully be able to teach other girls. So yeah, I do feel very lucky to be able to have these opportunities and to be able to travel, you know, by myself and, and be surrounded by people who also want to uplift me and empower me and, you know, don't really give a shit what I wear or say or how I want to work and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting the ways that you see like these inequalities show up in the water, for example. Mm-hmm. That isn't a place that you would normally think that, you know, this is where you see it, but it's it, it's an ability to make your own choices. Yeah, it's it's definitely that. I would say I would say in most of the countries, I mean, I think everywhere there are always more boys than girls surfing, but you when I went to like when I went to Sri Lanka, there were always local boys in the water and I just never saw any local girls outside of their homes. 
you know, past a certain time. Like maybe they're going to and from school. And then to imagine seeing a Sri Lankan girl like in the water, I just couldn't even imagine it. You just never saw it. And I've been there twice. And hopefully there are, I don't know, hopefully there's maybe a Sri Lankan local boy will grow up and have a baby and just be like, you know what, I don't care. She's a girl, I'm taking her in. And um, hopefully be able to start that kind of movement. But yeah, there are definitely, definitely some inequalities that that are shown there. And I've also had like in the last, I would say last year was a really tough year for me um, because I actually got like uh, groped and um, like sexually. In Sri Lanka? In Sri Lanka and in Indonesia. It kind of just all happened at the same time. And so it was really, really tough for me feeling vulnerable in that way and um, disrespected. And and then that actually opened my eyes to a lot of the tiny little things that we hear as women from certain men. Like what? Like just all of the, you just it kind of makes you think about all of the things that you've been through as a girl. Like and you've always you've always mm. had to. I realized how I had been like programmed to let things go and laugh things off because I want to I would rather make myself deal with the discomfort than make someone else feel uncomfortable and I think that's society that's society that was societal conditioning I I fought actively to express my truth and my my feelings Mm -hmm. because I was taught to keep the peace so even when I was put in a very uncomfortable situation that was clearly violating my boundaries um, I wasn't sure how my immediate reaction was wasn't to fight and to speak up. My immediate reaction was to try to justify what was happening and yeah, try to like keep the peace and not cause someone else discomfort. So it did make me think about little things like if I'm out and, you know, someone is just, I don't know, someone is talking about, you know, girls and complaining that, you know, oh, girls every day, they're feminists and now you can't even like make a joke. And, you know, it's just little things like that that you just kind of pick up on now. And now I'm a little bit, I went through a phase where afterwards I was a little bit like <laughs> I was really intense like if a guy tried to I don't know like buy um, you a drink or something <laughs> yeah like buy me a drink or say something I'm like no I don't need anyone to buy and it's like whoa okay chill yeah. out like all right I, I respect it I respect it so or you know there we were having lunch one day um me and a group friends and it was two yeah two guys and uh, two girls and this guy came over and gave gave the guys a hand shake and then the girl just like a wave and I was like so what you can't give us handshakes either and he just he was kind of like oh my god this is intense but yeah it, it I'm I'm healing I've, I've healed since then for sure it's just it's just um it's hard you know it's hard being a woman sometimes and it's hard being a woman traveling alone because you you kind of for me personally I I always have that added layer of am I safe Absolutely. You know, and I, I was grouped too in, in Vietnam and I was actually with my boyfriend at the time when it happened, but in it through, yeah. So it's even like, even if you're with a man, like it still doesn't take it away, you know, from, from, from it just happening. And I guess I will say on this, it is something that catches you so off guard that even if, I think our conditioning is a big part of it because it's that deep ingrained subconscious behavior to not shake the pot, to not, to be a nice girl, but, and comma, and the whole experience is so, it's so just comes out of nowhere and so quick. And you're almost like, did that just happen? And it's so confusing.
interesting. Was he on a scooter? No. Or a motorbike? Um, no, he kind of, we were on the sidewalk and he kind of like tripped and like act, like pretended to like fall into me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were you on a motorbike? No, I wasn't. I was walking on the street and then this guy was on a motorbike and it was just like passing traffic and he came up behind me and literally like grabbed my 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 butt and I had a skirt on and he it was like really close to my you know my happy place so (laughs) so it was really traumatizing so it's like so disorienting and violating and gross all of that and all of the consequences afterwards for just a second of actual like you know an action that takes up just a second of physical time. It's like, yeah, there are definitely so many consequences that just kind of come up afterwards because of just a tiny little action. It definitely did open up a completely new world. I think for so long I had been so, um, I had been suppressing a lot, a lot of different experiences, specifically uh, regarding sexual harassment, sexual assault from my past and I this is like after the Me Too movement kind of had you know taken taken you know it's like started like having that fire and um I I appreciated it I respected it I did absolutely feel empathy towards the women who had experienced these things but I never once included myself in it in a weird way like I was like a, a passerby trying to empathize with the victims as opposed to me actually becoming a victim because I didn't think that I was but then after that situation happened Mm. at the groping in Sri Lanka I you know got back to I turned around I walked back to the hostel I lost it and I and I started to think about like how I felt like I had no control over that situation absolutely no control and so that stripped me from even having a choice which was very very difficult to kind of process and then it made me think about like all of the the past experiences that I had came to the forefront of my my mind and I started thinking about them and realizing like wait no um you've experienced this before where you felt like you just had no control and where you were taken advantage of and you for some reason have just chosen to not face that and not deal with that that it's been inside of you this whole time and it probably has a lot to do with why you act the way that you do and how you interact with people it's got to affect me some kind of way so so I think I think it was important for me to to recognize that and also just bring up all of those old traumatic experiences and face mm-hmm. them in a way that I could start the healing process. So I remember that day that it happened, you know, it was the first day that I was like, wow, like, no, this Me Too movement is like, I am part of this movement, like not in a way where I'm like just a bystander and a supportive person, which of course you need people like that as well. It's just, it really just like put everything into perspective, like, no holy shit like don't like don't like you you literally went through this like when you were 14 or when you were 15 like you went through this when you were 19 you went through this when you were 21 like remember that time and that night and that night and that night like that literally all those tiny little things have added up into you know shaping me into this person where I feel bad uh for me getting hurt and all of the emotional oh god the emotional trauma you know following that kind of experience and then how I am with trusting men because all of those things so you know it's definitely deeper than just the action itself Mm -hmm. so what has been the biggest lesson for you coming out of this um I think I think 
I don't know. It's a hard question. The biggest lesson, I guess, is for me, I don't know if I have that insight just yet, but I will say like kind of where I am, where I am with myself now currently is I I think what I want to do is change the response that I have physically to yeah like my physical so you know they say like fight or flight I think I personally am very flight oriented so I would just like run away or like cry or scream like scream and cry like it's kind of like my go-to reaction if something is happening and I'm surprised so I I want to to learn self-defense and maybe some like jujitsu and and obviously I don't need to be like <laughs> training every day but I do want mm-hmm. to in- integrate that into my lifestyle so that because what that does is what I want to change is is the the automatic response that happens when something happens to me so in the next case god forbid that something happen in where whether it's a man or a woman or a dog or a shark or you know anything I start to become more familiar with these acts of aggression or violence or you know just like brute strength and try to uh, feel more confident in my ability to you know de-escalate that kind of situation I don't know like you said before I don't know if that's actually going to you know I'm not, I know I'm not going to become a ninja overnight but like it's just it's it's going to help me bring me a little bit of peace. Um, so if I could just feel confident in knowing how to get myself out of a get myself out of a bad situation when I'm on the ground, how to get from under you know underneath someone, how to strike people and disarm them so that I can run away, things like that. I I definitely want to to integrate into my lifestyle and then also hopefully be able to help other women and men. Why not? Like just anyone else, you know, share that knowledge so that they can integrate that into their own lifestyles and hopefully be able to get themselves out of really bad situations. Yeah, I think it's a matter of being, it kind of changes you from being on the defense to being on the offense. Like even if you are on the side of the defense where you're trying to get someone off you or something, but you're equipped with the tools to protect yourself. And I think even just, you know, walking down the street in the day, it puts a different level of ease in your mind, just knowing that you've got that tool set with you. Yeah, for sure. And that's just the the reality of the world that we're looking in and or that we're living in. And we have to be realistic about that, especially, you know, when on the road and in these different cultures where the respect of women is completely different. But oh, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, at the same time, not to say women are totally safe in America either, because look at what's going on, you know, so. Yeah. We, I think it would just help, you know, and it's also a way to be physical, you know, exercise, like feel stronger. And me personally, like that makes me feel mm-hmm. really good. Like it's mental and it's also physical. So it's just another reason to get with your girlfriends and, you know, on a Friday night instead of going to the bar. I mean, sometimes the bar is fun too, but like maybe before the bar, you know, yeah. like you go to to a, an intro to self-defense class. I feel like a lot of people also, uh, there there might be opportunities to where, where they volunteer those classes just to, you know, pay it forward and give back to the community. So I think it's definitely worth taking a look and doing a quick Google search to see what's in your area and make it fun and take your, you know, take your friends and um, make it a thing. 
For sure. I think that is such a great recommendation. And honestly, I don't think I know any woman who would be like, oh, no, I'm fine. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't need that. I don't need to defend myself. Because it changes, it changes something when you're going from relying on something like mace or pepper spray or a coubaton or whatever you had to to relying on yourself and having the the skill set to be able to actually do that in an effective way. So to anyone who's listening right now who might be hearing these stories and maybe they've never left home or, you know, left their country and are freaked out by this idea of a female, you know, traveling solo as a woman, what is the advice that you would give to her? Feel the fear and do it anyway. With life, there's always going to be bad things that happen to you. I've learned that. I've learned that life is not easy but it's so worth it you know like the experience that that I gained the experiences that I gained from those travels and those trips in those countries the people that I met in those countries far outweigh the the hurt that I've also experienced and the pain afterwards and you know it's just it's just that it's not easy it's not always going to be a party or a vacation and what it does is it makes you stronger so everything I, I really do try to put meaning behind everything that happens in my life because it brings me a form of peace. So I try to look at the things that happen with that perspective and remind myself like, hey, you're 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 damaged, but you're not broken. Like, yes, this hurts and it's allowed to hurt. And if I get caught up in this cycle of thinking like, why did this happen to me? Or what if I'm scared? What if something bad happens? Like, what if, what if, what if? Like, the, you're never going to know until you go. And the only reason why you're even considering going on a trip is because you're clearly not fulfilled and satisfied with where you are now. That's it. Like if you were completely fine and completely comfortable and completely happy and doing everything that you wanted to be doing, you wouldn't be like, oh, I really want to go and backpack alone. I'm thinking about traveling solo through Southeast Asia for a little bit. Like what? No, like no, no. Normal people don't do that. You know, it's not a normal thing to be doing. It's obviously there's something that's calling you. There's something within you that is is kind of tugging, you know, and and pulling a little string and, and you're trying to find all of the rational reasons why you know you shouldn't be going or other people don't understand it so you're like oh I don't know maybe this isn't a good idea or oh I, you're you're you know thinking about all of the reasons why you should be freaked out or maybe you're just planning you're in the planning stages and you're feeling nervous and you're coming up with all these reasons why you you know why it might be difficult for you and the whole the whole point is that it's going to be filled with little you know difficult things within your journey I mean I've I've had bed bugs I've had lice I've had numerous reef cuts I luckily not touch what I have not had stitches but like you know the physical part of it is very very intense at times you know your clothes never dry you're always sweaty um or it's blistering cold and like you it's there's so many things that you are gonna have to endure the trauma of sexual assault I would not wish upon anyone but at the same time like I am now able to help other people because of the experience that I've been through and so I try to look at it like that I mean there are a million things a million reasons why you shouldn't like you think that you shouldn't go and so many reasons why people will try to convince mm-hmm. you that it's a silly idea or it's dangerous or what like yeah but just do the research you know feel confident that you know you've done enough planning enough research that you you know 
know where not what for instance what neighborhoods to stay away from going to maybe like if you're going to stay in a hostel like do research about that hostel beforehand um you know google the stories of other female travelers who you know went on the local buses to get from city to city i mean there are so many resources out there now where you can kind of do your have some discipline you know commit to you know doing the research and then getting out there and exploring because that's the whole point the good is definitely going to outweigh the bad it might not be instant but in the long run i do truly believe that that's the case yeah and also don't do so much research that you freak yourself out so much that you don't even go because you're just listening you're just reading all the horror stories and like plan so much that you don't have any spontaneity or in your trip or just any sense you know, ability to kind of drop into the moment too. So there's, in my experience, there's that balance of allowing yourself to let go and giving yourself permission to let go just because society doesn't, doesn't mean that you can't decide that for yourself. Yeah, it's just the ultimate feeling of freedom. That's what it is, just letting go of all of the, the, I don't know, the, the requirements that everyone has kind of, that you've built up. And then you go to this completely new place. No one knows who you are. No one knows your story. You are free to do whatever it is that you want. Go wherever you want and pick up, move on, stay, extend your trip, cancel your flight, change your flight. I mean, you you have absolutely zero responsibilities but for yourself. And I think, I don't know, I just think it's it's freedom. There's no other way to describe it. And so four years down the road, literally, <laughs> of living of living this nomadic lifestyle, do you still feel that, that same sense of freedom as your first trip? Um, yeah, I do still. Obviously, there are times where when I when I question things or um, when I try to get a bearing on like where I am in my life currently and how I'm feeling and maybe do I need to move on to the next stage, like what do I need to be working on? Like, cause I do still have this desire to find my place, like make a little home. But, um, I know that when I choose, like, I know that when I feel ready for that, like I will feel it when I'm ready for that, I, I will feel ready. And, um, until that time comes, um, I'm just trying to enjoy the fact that, I am completely like free. I have no one to answer to. And just, I have, I'm just so grateful to have this time to myself to figure out who I am and what I like and make some memories and have stories to tell because that's what I, I want. I want to live, you know, and I, and I did the whole, I did the whole corporate thing and living in New York City. And while I do miss, I don't think I miss the corporate part at all, besides the steady, t- the steady paycheck. But I just, I don't know, I, I realized like this life is so short, you know, and people say it and it's so cliche and you just roll your eyes and you're like, oh, life is short. like, honestly, though, it is like you absolutely have no idea what's going to happen and something might happen to you and you get stuck there and then you just you're all always thinking like what if like 
what if I had done this or what if I had done that? And regrets will eat you up alive. They will eat you up slowly to the point where you think the, the time's not going that quickly. And then all of a sudden you look back, you're like, holy shit, I never did that trip that I that I always wanted to do by myself because I was scared or because I kept putting it off. Like I never got to, you know, record that album that I had always wanted to do. Like I had never done this. I've never done that. And it's like, you have all these dreams, all these little dreams. And maybe they seem silly, but like, who cares? Maybe you find out after trying to pursue that dream or take the, taking that trip. Okay, this is silly. I really, if anything, it's going to make you appreciate what you had before, or it's going to open your eyes, you know, and your perspective and your world to something completely new that is so fulfilling and satisfying to you. And for me, that's what it was. I I had never taken a trip before, really, you know, by myself. And, and at that age, Americans, we don't have gap years. We don't have that, you know, societal, like, thumbs up. No, that, like, not at all. You know, it's go and travel and, Yeah. We're like, no, you you need to go to school. After high school, you need to go to college. Then you go to college. Then you need to get a job. Then, then you need to work. Okay. And then you need to have, yeah, get married. Then you have to have kids. And then you have to, it's like, dude, what? where do we have fun? Like, where do we grow as people, as individuals? Where do we have life-changing experiences that we can then bring back home to our communities, to our families, to our friends, and share that perspective that we got so that hopefully you know, we can then inspire other people to do the same for themselves, like give people the permission to to discover who it is that they really are, to discover what it is that truly makes them happy, that really lights a fire and not be drones and robots anymore. It's just, yeah. So as you get older, do you feel that societal pressure to quote unquote settle down? Uh, every time I go home, my mom's like, um, so maybe after this trip, you'll think about where you want to <laughs> settle for a little bit. And then, um, yeah, of course. But I, I do, I am, I have been fo- so focused the last few years to really trying to understand me, like getting to know myself and recognizing when my mind replays these old stories and these old patterns, recognizing when I feel pressured and when I don't feel pressured and what triggers that feeling to come and and to leave eventually because I don't want to live my life based on fear. And I think a lot of the societal pressure comes from a fear of not finding your person or being alone or not having like a family, not having you know, a friend group that you can hang out with every Friday, not being invited to the game night on Thursdays, like, you know, like being uh, like fear of missing out. Uh, So when I experience these feelings of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right choice? Like, should I be settling down? Like, what is settling down? Like, what is it that's actually going to make me happy? Like, is it going to be the house in the city with this job and job security and not being able to take vacations, not being able to take holidays? Like, is it is it not, you know, am I too afraid of not potentially meeting the the man, the marriage and having, you know, the nuclear family, picture perfect nuclear family? Like, is it the fear of not being able to have children in time or not being able to keep a child or, you know, having a miscarriage or all all these things, like all of these things are coming up. And my mom's like, oh, well, you know, you definitely don't want to have kids past 34. So, and it's like, okay, well, mom, I can't put my, like a four year, try to have kids after 24 or 34. 
because it's going to be too dangerous for the child and for me. And it's like, all right, well, that's what I'm going to lead with the next time I go out on a date to try to find a partner. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm 30 now. I'm turning 31 this year, which gives us realistically three years to get to know each other, like each other, hopefully fall in love, decide to have or get married and then decide to have a baby. Like, it's just, it's like, I just put all this pressure on myself. Like, dude, no. What is like, honestly, in my life, like in everyone's life, I feel like you just have to count your blessings. You have to count your blessings and you have to realize that there are so many beautiful things about your life, despite all of the bullshit that you have to deal with. And at the end of the day, if you can't keep that list going. If you can't say there are a lot of beautiful things in my life, you know, there's a lot of beautiful people in my life. I am supported. I am loved. I am, I am, you know, feeling passionate. There's a fire. If there's better good than bad, if you can't get to that list and there's more bad than good, then change your shit up, you know, like just change it up, change it all up and go find out what it is that makes you happy. Because if you can't be happy in your present moment, you, you're just not going to be happy. It's just, it's not going to just find you, you know? What would your advice be to someone listening and saying, yeah, but I have student loans and, you know, my, like, have to pay for my life, the logistical side of things. What advice would you give them as far as how to actually make it work? You are making it work. That's what I would say. You are making it work. If you have a lot of things that you need to pay for financially, you are, then absolutely you're doing what you need to do. If you're, you know, there and of course it's difficult. Of course, you know, it's stressful and you're, you want to wander, you want to just give everything up and go and travel and, you know, start this new life. And realistically, um, that's not possible for you, then you're doing what exactly where, what you need to be doing now. Like your, the way that your life, you know, kind of the direction that it took was that right now you need to be putting in the effort and putting in the work and paying all of this off. And I would say that your perspective, like, you know, if the, 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 I think money is a funny, money is such a funny thing because everyone has a different relationship with it. But, you know, I would say like, if there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And um, if you can prioritize getting that paid off, that's when, you know, your life will open up and you have all of these new possibilities. And in the meantime, while you are going from point A, haven't paid my loans to point B, paid off all my loans, middle fingers in the air, perspective. And do things that make you happy, do things that bring you joy, spend time with people who bring you joy and support you and uplift you and do not distract you from your goal, which is to get to point B. You know, don't self-numb and self-medicate, numb yourself and spend unnecessary money on things that are not bringing you joy. They're just making you, you know, hungover or, you know, feeling like shit the next day, you know, and, 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 and find balance in your life, in your lifestyle that allows you to make room for those moments of like just pure bliss. You know what it is. I don't know if you're hiking. I don't know if you're painting. I don't know if you're surfing or doing CrossFit, like running, walking, I don't know, dancing, like do things, you know, within that time, maybe it takes you five years, maybe it takes you 10 years. I don't know how long it's going to take you. But during that time, focus on making space for those things that bring you joy so that you don't get so caught up in, oh, I'm not able to travel. Oh, 
I can't leave. Oh, I have all these responsibilities. I have kids. I have a family. I have all these things going wrong in my life. I hate this job. I hate. It's like you're just going to create this negative cycle of thinking that is not going to do anything but make you negative and make you unhappy. So yes, we have. We're at point A. We need to be at point B. Realistically, maybe we don't know how much time it's going to take. Maybe it will help if you do the math and do all of these projections and try to come up with a realistic. Idea of how long it's going to take just to give yourself that like、uh, potential light at the end of the tunnel, and then in between those spaces, fill it with things and people that bring you joy, so that you can help shift your perspective and remember all of the things that you have in your life that that you're grateful for, because that's really what it's about. It's just spending time with really good people that really love you and doing things that make you feel. Just so alive inside, and and being grateful for that. And for anyone who's at that point where they're ready to go, ready to leave, any tips for how you've been able to make it work? Whether they're bringing their work on the road with them, doing remote work, whatever. Any advice on that front as far as sustaining this lifestyle? Yeah, just I would just say like. Be mindful. Be mindful of、um, you know, just like the local. Communities and the cultures. I think with this whole digital nomad industry, the growth in, of it, yeah, in community, it 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 can become very exclusive almost.、Um, so you know, why do you think? I think because it's easier to make to it's easier to just sit there and make money on the internet. I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy because it's not easy. It takes a lot of fucking work. But when other people view. You as someone who's working remotely on the road on your computer, ooh, internet, social media shit. It kind of puts you in a different space, society-wise. I've realized, like personally. So、um, why do you think that is? I think because they can't do what you're doing, or they don't want to be doing what you're doing. You know, so you meet a lot of travelers who are working on the road, or they're just. They're purely to travel, backpack, and then they go home and they do their own stuff. Whereas, you know, these digital nomads, like you're working while you're traveling, and it's just a completely different kind of way of being.、Um, there's no necessarily. There's no.、Uh, most of the time, there's no end date to when this kind of trip is going to end. So、um, you just kind of keep. Going and whereas you meet people who do have an end,、um, they're like, "No, I'm traveling for this year," and then, "Yeah, I'd like to go back." And da da da. So and then they, you know, there are like a lot of like、uh, a lot of like hubs for what? you to work. I work as this hub,、mm. like like Bali, for instance.、Um, you know, Bali is this big hub for digital nomads, and everyone wants to go there and live there. And、um, and then you kind of get lost in who the Balinese people are and. You you kind of get you kind of get like、uh, jaded a little bit from the whole lifestyle and the in Bali specifically. I mean, you go there and and people don't have never tried local food once,、huh. you know, or made friends with a local like haven't spoken to a local Balinese person that has like li- been like grown up there for generations of his family. His or her family, and it's just it's become like such a scene, you know, that it kind of it loses its. I I, I just want people to. I guess I I for me personally, I don't want to speak for other people, but for me personally, like I did see myself getting caught up in this kind of digital nomad scene and 
expat scene and and I always want to try to remind myself to remember the pure essence of traveling so don't try to document everything and don't try to feel like I have to go see everything and or don't feel like I have to you know be working 9am to 5pm every day like in like I just want to to make sure that I'm connecting with the culture and you know looking at a place with new eyes and feeling like I'm learning and growing and connecting with kind of like the the spirit of of the place that I go to so yeah I mean I don't know if that makes sense but um it makes total sense yeah, yeah. just disconnecting I think as a digital nomad it's like I, I I need to be like on the internet I need to be like in front of a screen it's like I'm tired of screens I'm tired of constantly staring at screens but obviously the screens are are you know the internet and the screens and the business is what is allowing me to be in this place so I have to be grateful for it I have to invest time into it and I'm also you know I've created a platform where I can help people and support people and inspire people so there's goodness in that but at the same time it's like all right I need to get off of my screen disconnect for a little bit and really go out and soak in the nature and be present and be here now and you know when I'm eating at a cafe alone or a local spot like talking to the people just saying hello like how are you figuring out how their day was you don't have to have a huge you know conversation it's not like speed dating but just connecting disconnecting getting off the screen not checking who's messaging you it's just like be there and like invite your present environment and your your present life to kind of you know, uh, meet you and, and spend time with you uh, without you being somewhere else. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, it is this contradiction. Well, it's not a contradiction, but you do need both. But I think we, our brains are wired. A, we're so trapped within technology that we don't even realize how much we are. Like just the, the brain mode that we go into when we're looking at a screen for that amount of time in a day. But B, it's also the mentality of, this is where all of the growth happens versus, and that's in my experience, when I was living the most unplugged I've ever lived, mm. that was actually when rapid growth and transformation. And I was like, you know, you're just like, you're changing as a person so fast with like philosophies and beliefs and just ideas, like where I was waking up every day being like, oh my God, like, did, you know, my brain was literally starting to rewire and trigger off in a different way because I had in because I had stepped away from it. So a lot of times there's this attachment to the technology to think that that is the only yeah. way forward. But actually, in my experience, stepping away from it has mm -hmm. been like when the rapid shifts happened. And it's interesting because as humans, we adapt really quickly. And a lot of times you, you think that you need to go somewhere for six months or something like that to like feel the effects. But like we can change in a matter of like three weeks or a month or three months, you know, where you think about what happened at your desk at your job in that amount of time. And it just flew by without even you, you know, you really realizing anything. And in that same amount of time, it can just completely change the person yeah. that you are yeah it's so wild it's so wild and it's really interesting to hear from your end um, that the most growth and transformation happened when you kind of disconnected well it 
it's a different kind of growth, you yeah, know, it's course. not the growth, it, it's not the growth in like the hard skills, the, you know, like that sort of thing. It was a growth in like the soft skills as far as like relating to people, empathizing with people, like being at home, being really connected to who I was and what my beliefs were and what ones I, what ones like I grew up with, but I didn't actually believe in. And like, mm. what are the ones that I are actually mine? Like, what do I own? What do I want and think about this life and so it's all of those soft skills that you can't really teach in in school or in college or in anything and those are the ones that you know you come back and you you're able to relate with people differently and connect with people on a different level and I think it's because you've gone there in yourself for sure absolutely without judgment as well hopefully that you can kind of yes you can empathize mm-hmm. with people and you can you know agree with them or find like-minded people but then when you find people who don't necessarily agree with you or think of things in a different perspective can you listen to them and and give them space to have their own opinions without you imposing your own opinions on them and just let them be um totally because that's actually where we have the most to learn is in those conversations and like can we just stand in a place of radical acceptance for yes exactly any way they are yeah and with ourselves too of not exactly ourselves yeah yeah so, take me back to that time four years ago what was the what was the tipping point that made you decide to go so five, well, so there was kind of like two different moments. Five years ago was when I took the first trip to Iceland. And that was like the first proper trip. I went to Iceland, Italy, Croatia, Paris. And um, and then the second one was when I booked a one way to Bali after so in between those trips, I had been freelancing in Brooklyn for a year, and I had a lease on the apartment. And um, so the uh, the first trip was like I was beyond grieving because my father had passed away a year and a half before I was in a in a very unhealthy toxic sometimes abusive relationship for five years where I was living with your dad oh no with with your oh, partner with, oh after okay yeah after my father passed um and and also I was working that corporate job in Manhattan and it was horrible it was just really really toxic the people that I worked with so I had no very little I had little to no emotional support I didn't really also I didn't give people the opportunity to support me emotionally Um, I just completely closed myself off I ended up taking that one-way ticket to Iceland and that trip is actually what saved my life I completely became a new person because of that trip and it was at that time I felt like I had nothing left to I had no no other I mean there was nothing else there was nothing else I I had nothing left to give my current life and I was completely broken depressed overweight unhealthy chain smoking just really 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 bad place so that trip was like a was like the saving light you know I had been so rock bottom for so long that I kind of just had no other choice like this is I'm my life I've been waiting for my life to change and my life is not changing so I'm going to do something to change myself so that I can change the shit out of my life and then I went on that trip I ended up coming back about two months later had and then rented an apartment for a year 
in Brooklyn while freelancing because that trip ended up bringing me all of the opportunities that allowed me to sustain. That trip actually presented me with all of the opportunities that I needed to be able to sustain myself uh, through my photography. How was that? It was very, very scary at first because I had never, I just never knew if I was going to make enough money to pay my rent. <laughs> and then what happened? I, I always did. I just somehow always did. I I reached out to everyone I could and I built relationships. I, you know, shot stuff for way cheaper than I probably should have, but it was, you know, a job. I um I started, you know, just doing doing what I thought felt true and I was, you know, embracing the fear and just kind of, you know, hoping for the best and why did why did that trip provide the opportunities to sustain you? Um, so I ended up I ended up taking a life size cutout photograph of my my late father on that trip with me, and I had these photos. I I Where did um, that idea come from. I was watching uh, in the up in the air with George Clooney the movie, and I remember in that film he his sister was getting married and so they made like a an image on a popsicle stick of their faces and they asked their wedding guests to to like they sent them these like face kebabs and they they asked them to just put them in the picture with the landscape of the image like the you know whatever scene they were in and then when they got back to the engagement party they saw all of their faces in all of these different places and I was just like oh imagine how funny it would be if instead of just a face kebab it was like a huge <laughs> life-size cutout kind of like Justin Bieber you know in like the mall <laughs> and so I googled it because I didn't know if it actually existed <laughs> and I googled it and I and I saw that there was one that was made a company you upload your photo and um, you could make it from this material called Corex, which is actually the same material that's made, um, that's turned into milk cartons because it's kind of waterproof, you know, a little bit water resistant, if you will. So, um, I, I ended up getting that made. It was about 200 bucks. And I, I had my, my friend's father, who was an industrial engineer for forever, he ended up sending me some measurements to score it to so that it's, it, you know, scoring when you when you cut it, but you don't cut it fully, um, just enough to fan it inside, fold it and then fan it kind of fan folded in so that it would fit into my backpack but it was really dark that night and I'm not very good with numbers. Oh, so it fit into your backpack yeah yeah but cool. it was very dark and I'm not very good with numbers so I um I ended up you know messing it up and it didn't fit in my backpack it was too big so I ended up carrying that thing under my arm for the entire trip backpacking <laughs> And I had pictures with me in this cutout in front of... What was that experience like? Oh, God, it was so ridiculous. I mean, I was very nervous every time I had it. Like, I was scared that they weren't going to let me on the plane. I was scared they were going to want to check it. Like, I was scared they were going to judge me and think I was psycho. Like, everyone was staring at me because I... Because I you know, had it lifted up. And I actually went with a friend in the beginning of the trip. 
And she, I was just going to hide behind the cutout because my, my idea was to have my dad traveling because my dad passed away from cancer. He never got to travel, like very rarely. And so before he passed away, he was only 52. And so this was my kind of way of showing my mom and my brother, like, and my little sister, like, hey, dad went to Iceland, dad went to Paris, like dad went to Italy, like just a funny little thing to show like my grandmother Mm. and stuff. And I was just going to hide behind it. And my friend was like, why don't you just stand next to it? It'll be like you traveling with your dad. And I was like, oh, okay, why not? Are you sure? Uh, I didn't want to be in it, but I was like, whatever. So I ended up getting those pictures in front, like in every place that I went to, like the Eiffel Tower, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, the Colosseum, like the waterfalls, like the iconic waterfalls in Iceland, the geyser there, and Croatia. And and uh, I, when I got back to the States after that like one month and a half, two month trip, I was in a completely different space. I had never traveled alone before. And part of that trip, I was completely alone. I, you know, I just, I couldn't, I was buzzing. And then I got back and I had no job and I had no you know, no money really. And I ended up getting casted for a reality TV show. And what was it? It was called House of DVF. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that like? <laughs> that was an interesting experience. Um, basically, the show was kind of a mix of like The Hills and The Apprentice. <laughs> So we were in a competition, but they didn't tell us. It was all very manipulative. Really? The entire thing was extremely manipulative. Um, it was very awkward. We weren't allowed to talk about the show at all. And, you know, the show was what it was. So it was very difficult to be placed in situations where you have to speak on camera and try to be as authentic as possible without... So it wasn't scripted? No, not at all. Okay. But... But the producers, they basically, we were puppets. They organized the entire storyline and then put us in there and then and then uh, filmed our reactions. Whoa. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, that ended up happening. I was doing that for about a month and a half, uh, five, five weeks. So they, they put us into a four-star hotel in the meatpacking district at the Gansvort Hotel. I got my own room, the best bed. I was living there for five weeks. I had just gone done from this backpacking trip. I had no money. They were like, we're going to pay you per episode, depending on how, f- how long you last. We didn't know that it was a competition until the competition actually started. So I had put it everything on the line. And I also didn't really have that many opportunities, like knocking down my door, like, hey, Gina, want it? No. There was nothing so I was like you know what I'm gonna do this and I ended up getting kicked off the show after the fifth week and they gave me a day to move out and unlike the other girls I had absolutely nothing like I had no home I had no job I had no money I had like I just I didn't really have anything so they gave me a day to move out and I got an uber filled my entire that uber with my dog because I had my dog living with me in the hotel I had my my desktop computer (laughs) I had three suitcases that's all I had to my name and I'm and the cutout and the cutout of course (laughs) and my my um 
my aunt told me that I could stay at her, stay on her couch for three weeks for a month. She was like, you have a month and you need to get your shit together. And I was like, great. So I moved in. She was actually traveling through Africa at the time. So I was there. And this is in New York? Yes, in Chelsea. And so I moved in. I, I you know, moved in my three suitcases, my desktop computer and my dog. And... um I just broke down. I broke down and I cried and I was like, I ruined my life. I, at that point, I was like, I ruined my life. I I, I had a, a really well-paying job. I had an apartment. I had my furniture. I had, I had this life that I had built up for myself and now what do I have? I have absolutely nothing. I am staying on my aunt's couch with my poor little dog, like who's been through three different, you know, like so many places in such a long time, like such a short period of time. I have nothing that I'm working on. I have, I mean, what am I even doing, you know? And the next day just happened to be Father's Day in the States. So it was in June. And um, I, I was like, well, I have all of these pictures from, you know, six weeks ago, like from two months ago that with me and this cutout of my dad, and I was thinking of him. And um, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to edit some of these photographs. And I'm going to publish like a series of them on my blog, which no one was reading at the time. And um, I just told my story. And it was the first time that I opened up about how fucked up I was and how I really just felt like I had nothing left. And I didn't want to wake up in the morning and I wasn't happy. So I went on this trip and I took my dad with me in spirit, physically through this cutout. And um, I I just did it and I, I published it. And the next day... I got uh, an email from the Daily Mail and they were like, hey, do you mind if we use these photos in this People Magazine article? And I was like, huh? And then I clicked on the link and People Magazine had taken screenshots of my Instagram of this project and they did a, a feature on me. And then the Daily Mail did a feature and then CNN did a feature and then Yahoo put it on their front page. And then the Today Show emailed me and was like, we would love to film a segment on you. And then it went internationally viral. And I had, I mean, I did Russian TV interviews. I did an interview with Vice in Poland. I did BBC Radio, Time Magazine. I, it just completely all over the world. And what was that like for you? It was really, really humbling. Very, very humbling because I wasn't portraying an ideal. I wasn't portraying an image. I wasn't putting my best foot forward. I was a girl who was so much in grief and so lost and so empty that I just decided this is enough and I'm going to do something completely freaking random and it's not going to make sense and you know it's kind of going to be silly but I'm going to do it and you know fuck it like this is this is the real me like I am I am I've been losing my hair from the stress like I didn't want to wake up in the morning I was so unhealthy so unhappy you know settled and just enough and so I I took this risk you know I booked this one way ticket took my camera took this life size cutout made some memories healed like found some found like real joy again like experienced real joy and awe for nature and food and you know coffee and gelato and just all of the experiences and I also it opened me up to a world of people from all over the world who 
also felt my pain and understood my grief. And they, they made it what my story felt familiar to them. And so I, I was, you know, met with such gratitude from people I had never met for opening up and being brave and sharing my story because it brought them peace. And so what that did is it brought me purpose to my work. So my work wasn't just about me and it wasn't just about being self-serving. It was about sharing my gift and my passion and my story with people so that they may in turn be empowered to do the same. So that that kind of experience is what allowed me to, one, find purpose in my work, two, to have others find purpose in my work, to then eventually hire me and support me to continue to be able to continue to do what it is that I'm doing. So yeah, that actually it changed my life. It changed my life. It saved my life. Um, and it and it and it you know birthed. I birthed a new life because of that experience. And I've never had to work a job since. It's been four years, five years. So what would you say is your purpose or intention behind your work now? Now I would really. I would continue to, I hope to continue to convince people to, uh, you know, face their fears and take a chance on themselves and, you know, heal and find peace past the pain. And I would also say now it's shifted a bit because I really want people to explore and be part of nature and, exp- and spend time with nature spend time, you know, feeling it and being there and healing through nature. And so a lot of my work has changed since in the last five years. I started surfing around three, three years ago, three or four years ago. So it's definitely impacted my life in a very, very meaningful, priceless way. Um, And it's brought me a lot of perspective about how I am on my day to day. Am I using reusable containers? Like, if I buy a pasta jar that's glass, like I'm going to rinse it out and I'm going to reuse it to, you know, store my homemade granola the next day. Like I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my flask everywhere um, so that other people don't have to buy plastic bottles, you know, just little things that have helped kind of, I've integrated into my everyday life. But the essence of my work now, what I want you to feel is, wow. Nature is beautiful. How has travel been an avenue for you to heal? Oh, it gets you out of your head. Just get out of your head and get into the world. It gives you, it transforms you. It, it gives you the space and the opportunity to change, you know, to, to invite change and be a part of change and then adapt to that change. And when you adapt to something that's new, And when you adapt to change, you become stronger. You know, you change yourself. Um, There's no way. You try to stay the same and it's just not going to work. So traveling gets me out of my head. And and if if I find myself in a funk, I change up my environment. And once that environment has changed, your mindset changes because all of the, all of the, um, the, you know, the, what is the word? Like all of the stimuli, you know, those are so different. So if you're used to like a hot, it's hot, it's humid, I'm, you know, I'm getting irritable. You know, you go to a cold place, you're automatically going to, to change, you know, the, the reaction and the 
the physical response and the emotional response, the mental response. So it's allowed me to just completely switch up my environment. It's allowed me to reinvent myself. It's allowed me to allow, like, invite change and transformation into my life. It's humbling. You know, I've gone through very uncomfortable experiences while on the road that have then made me stronger. So it's it's made me a completely different person. I mean, there are people who have known me for all my life and they've just seen it. It's been like, you know, 18 different movies where I am a different kind of protagonist. Sometimes I'm not even the protagonist. Sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes I'm the bad guy maybe. But just get out there, you know, take a trip. Like it's it's not going to do anything but help make you a more well-rounded person. Meeting people who are different than you and... When I mean traveling, like I know, I don't mean like the the easy like go go party for a week weekend, like go stay in a resort, and you know it's just you can have parts of that, of course. I mean, if you're doing a family trip, like you don't want to be backpacking with your mom and dad, but you know, go out there and do something that is calling you. Like so there's always a little bit of an interest, and you just never really, never really fully materialize. Like. Take some time to spend time with that, that feeling, and explore around that and what that could mean to you, what that could turn into, how that could play a role in your life. Spend time with it, build upon it, and then, you know, figure out what it is, like what that trip is, what that experience is for you to connect with nature, connect with yourself, disconnect with technology, and, you know, create that experience that you can then bring home and share with other people that will hopefully change them in a positive way. I think what you said about changing your environment is so, it's so crucial. And it's, I've thought about this too, where I'm like, why don't we like discuss this more often? How literally changing up your environment is the easiest, quickest way to change because everything else in your life changes as well. And you know, here you see so many people living in the same place forever in a total like beyond a rut and not questioning and not fulfilled and also not questioning oh maybe I could just move somewhere totally far and totally different or maybe not even far you know maybe it's just like I don't know I think there is something with the distance that it's like it's like for me like the further I go more inside of me comes Mm -hmm. up but we don't we get very still as a society and like where's where's kind of the the influence and the inspiration to keep moving like you think about the nomadic tribes and stuff and they were always moving and that's what kept their life force and invigorated them Mm -hmm. and kept them connected to the land and themselves oh yeah oh yeah it's it's imagine if you just if you went somewhere different for the winter imagine if you like set up your life where you were somewhere for spring and summer and then somewhere for fall and winter. And it just constantly gave you that shift. So it's balanced in some kind of way, you know. Um, It would, it would absolutely, I think think it would definitely help. I agree. So how has surfing added a different layer to your experience traveling? 
uh, definitely the way, the places, I mean, obviously the places that I'm going to go. And it brought a bit more of a routine. Uh, whereas before I didn't really have that kind of underlying motive besides just get out there, experience everything, try everything, do everything, take pictures of everything. So surfing was kind of like, all right, we're going to go. The underlying motive is to, you know, be in the ocean when it's friendly and calm and sometimes when it's really scary but like hopefully clean you know and how okay great if that's the that's the goal how are we going to um, plan this trip where am I going to spend the time where am I going to fly into how am I going to get there so it definitely has shaped just the overall itinerary behind my travels and also it's just it's allowed me to like be okay with less so like when I first depends on the, the reason why you're traveling obviously is going to uh, determine what clothes you bring and what items you bring and you know all of this and so I can see how my wardrobe has shifted, how I'm not bringing as many, like I, I need to make room for my wetsuits as opposed to an extra pair of shoes. So I'll have one pair of sandals and one pair of sneakers. And like, that's literally all I'll travel with is I'll wear the sneakers at the airport and then the sandals are in my bag or I have the sandals on and then I have the, the sneakers in the bag. And I, you know, before I might've like been like a little cheeky, like, oh, do I need heels? Like in case I want to go out to a club or something, it's like, no, you don't need heels. Like you're barefoot most of the time. So that's definitely changed. And I will say that I have stayed away from colder weather. I do miss the mountains. Like I do definitely miss that part of uh, traveling. Like when I was in Morocco four years ago, I climbed the mountain there, Mount Tubkal, which is the highest in North Africa. And it's like maybe a, thou a thousand meters less than Kilimanjaro, but pretty pretty yeah it was a it was a two day I did it in two days most people do it in three so I was like exhausted I never climbed a mountain before and I was so not fit because it was before I started surfing but yeah I do miss the mountains sometimes but I noticed that since I started surfing I'm so like I just want to be in the ocean I want to be close to the ocean it makes me happy and surfing is just such it's completely transformed my body I can do things that I could not do before my body looks completely different I am able to paddle you know for three hours straight as opposed to you know 20 seconds which is when I first started and yeah it's just it's it's whenever I'm like stressed out I'm not you know grabbing a wine bottle I'm I'm going for a surf and then I get out and I'm like I feel great I feel much better and then also the people that I meet I've also when you start surfing you start meeting other people who surf and the schedules are different and of course like just because someone is a surfer doesn't mean that they're all the same there's you know tons of different people who just happen to surf but there's something that's that bind that that kind of bonds you with another person who is also kind of in it for the same reason so you know maybe their schedules are different their their career path is different the place they're from is different the language is different so you get to meet someone who is completely different from you in every sense of the word and then you're still connected to them and you can share something really really magical with them without having to impose any of your beliefs or any of your opinions or you know so there's connection that you find uh within nature and within others uh who also kind of strive to have that that feeling as well and that experience within the ocean do you have a favorite place or i guess favorite place to surf or favorite place to learn well i learned in new york and i wouldn't recommend it but 
if you have friends there, if you live in New York and you have friends there, like I think everyone now goes to Rockaway in the summer. But I would say like Central America is great to learn. Portugal, great to learn. Any specific places? I really, really, I'm not going to tell you that. They got to do the research themselves. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> But I would say Portugal, Sri Lanka is great, actually, for learning. I caught the most of, mo- I think I caught more waves in Portugal than, like, anywhere else. Why do you think that is? Just the people there aren't as good either. So, like, you like you could go to Sri Lanka and there are good surfers, but most of the people there are, are trying to learn. If you go to Indonesia, most of the people there are incredible surfers and you'll never be able to surf as good as them. So, <laughs> it's like if you're in the water with them and you're trying to get waves and you see this guy who's doing, like, airs and getting barreled, you're like, all right, well, I'm just going to go paddle over here to the other side it it, you know messes with you mentally but in Sri Lanka you know that you're kind of on the same playing field as someone else so then you just kind of go for it it's very much very it's very mental which is another thing about surfing like you can be so fucking scared like really just I don't think I can do this I don't think I can do this and then you do it and you realize you're okay and then you're like whoa I did that I feel proud of myself maybe you didn't even catch any waves maybe you just paddled in or you know maybe they there were like a lot more people than you thought and you were feeling very intimidated and then also you don't know what's laying behind you because you can't see the bottom or you can see the bottom so that freaks you out maybe the paddle is a lot longer than you thought or you have to walk hike along rocks with your board and then jump in after a big set it's like all of these things are very can be very overwhelming if you're not used to growing up in that kind of environment so it's always an opportunity for you to challenge yourself and for you to face your fears and and you know like come out on the other side okay hopefully not too injured and um, feeling like really really good do you have a place that you're feeling pulled towards now or next? No, I'm just trying to be I'm trying I'm trying to be present. So I'm I'm trying to get the most out of Byron and, you know, like just heal, heal, make time for myself, make space for all of the creative things that are calling me now. And the ocean is just so beautiful. I I just I can't even explain how amazing and there's just such a, an energy here and um, you can feel it as soon as you come in and the people that you meet, but the, the ocean and the the head lands and the lighthouse and the dolphins and the whales and you're just like oh god this place is amazing so mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm here for the next few months I'm in Australia till May and I don't know where I'm gonna go next I, I would really love That's to go magical. to New Zealand so that might be an option or a yeah right right here or a tropical island like Tahiti I would love or Fiji but we'll see yeah, I, I remember when I was living there, my friend told me that Byron is the most easterly point in Australia. So all of the energy and all of the ocean, you know, the water, yeah. everything that just like collects over the ocean, that's like the first place that it hits. And you can Isn't really, feel, crazy? yeah, and you can feel it in the land there and the people oh. and everything. It radiates off everything. Oh, yeah, it's buzzing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just glowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm really grateful to to be a part of this place. It, it's not easy moving to a new country. Also, I haven't been in one place longer than four months in the last five years, four years. So how long have you been there now? Been here for a month. But you'll be there for? For probably. A few more months. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's 
Australia for a year. Australia for a year, yeah, but I don't think I'm going to stay in Byron the whole time. Will you go down to Melbourne at all? I don't think so. Maybe for like a trip. Oh, no surfing. Yeah, it's just not yeah. my vibe and it's a big city. Like I don't really need to be in a big city. I've, I I think I would maybe go for like a week, you know, but I don't think to, to live there, no. I'm thinking about Margaret River as well. Hmm, where's that? That's in the West, the Southwest. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was there last year for three weeks and it was the most incredible nature. Like, it's unreal. It's like, it's like Byron, but way more raw. Cool. So if you can feel the energy in Byron, it is absolutely, I mean, it's, they have a very, very troublesome relationship with the Aboriginals as Australia just has naturally, but there you can feel like it is like spirited, like, you know, like you can just feel all of that old, old energy because it's just not, it's not been touched. It's just raw nature. Like if you don't have a four wheel drive, you're fucked, you know, because it's very hard for you to get to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. It's the landscape there. And just like the geography is mind blowing. Like you're just driving along the road and seeing like, is, am I really looking at this right now? Just right out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Well, we're going to go, we're going to do a couple rapid fire questions here before we wrap up. So are you ready? I think so. <laughs> okay. Um, no, they'll be easy. <laughs> I don't okay, know why I'm I, like, oh my God. I don't know why I prefaced it like that. Pressure. Yeah, are you ready? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, theme music? What's up? Yeah, I know. Theme music? Add some sound effects in. Okay. What is, what's a, your favorite book that, the book that changed your life? Oh, man. I would say The Alchemist. It's a good one. Mm. Your favorite place that you've been? Um, I mean, I would say Iceland changed my life for sure. What is one thing that you would never leave out of your suitcase? Um, <laughs> clean underwear. Um, uh, my camera. What do you think is the most underutilized piece? A weird thing that most people wouldn't know, you know, that has been really helpful for you to bring. Oh, um, a water, a water flask, my hydro flask. Mm. It is like saved me so many times and saved me so much money because who wants to buy $6, you know, single use bottle, plastic bottles at the airport? It's ridiculous. True. Um, Best piece of advice you've ever been given? shit um i would say my aunt my aunt before i went on that trip that first trip that really changed my life i remember i was talking to her one time and i was like i'm just so sad and i just want to go back to normal like i just want to go back to normal and feel like myself again and she was like honey you're never going to go back to normal like you're never going to go back there and that's the whole point you went through something completely traumatic. This is changing you. You are changed. So as soon as you stop trying to get back to what normal was for you, you're going to be able to open up your life to change, to embrace the change and then become different. So just know that you're not ever going to go back to normal. You're okay to be fucked up right now because you went through something traumatic. So I think that's when I really, really released that expectation that I had for myself to feel better about what was happening. Like every, everything else is moving on. Everyone else is moving on. Life is going on. Life is, you know, moving. Like, why am I still here feeling like shit? It's like, dude, cause you keep trying to go back 
to who you were before and that's never going to happen again so yeah really powerful years after this has happened what's what have you learned about trauma and healing oh it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of time it's never gonna end it's always gonna be there but it's all in how you see it how you view it your perspective behind it and then also filling in that time in the meantime with things and people and activities that really truly bring you joy it's never it's never gonna stop I'm never gonna wake up one day and be like all my problems are solved I have nothing else to worry about I've reached (laughs) I've I've reached the I have arrived the destination (laughs) is right in front of me it's like nah dude no that's not how it works like you're gonna go through really high highs you're gonna go through really really low lows and sometimes you're just gonna feel completely imbalanced and almost a little bit numb and that's part of it so learning how to roll with that and and just in the meantime taking care of yourself like I've learned to how to take care of myself and how to get myself out of bed how to when I don't want to get out like how to feel good through food without damaging my body how to find balance Uh, within you know what I want and what I need and constantly finding opportunities to be physical like to have exercise get my blood moving so that I can feel good about feel good in my body and also feel good about my body Mm, that's huge yeah movement it unlocks and unblocks so much stored stuff in our body oh yeah your instagram like despite everything that you've been through you've maintained this level of hope and especially in your messaging what inspires you to keep moving forward and in presenting that in that light I was just saying, like, the earth, man, the places that I've seen, the places that I am so lucky to see and the experiences that I am so lucky to have, you know, it, it's like every every so often, you know, you're going through a bad thing, bad bad period of time, or maybe this is like the worst period of your time in your life. I, I think I already went through that, so that's kind of like I feel a little bit better but it it it's it's hard you know it's it's really hard and 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 you do struggle because sometimes even when you have that awareness you're like oh I feel bad that I feel bad <laughs> like I feel like I should be more grateful and I shouldn't be it's like oh just be grateful it's like oh shut up I don't want to be grateful right now I just want mm-hmm. to feel all of this pain and negativity and resentment and get it out of my system and sometimes you got to do that but what keeps me going is you know I I put myself out there and I meet people who are just so pure and they're just big bottles of love and they make you realize that people care about you people who don't even know you will care about you so if there's someone in your life who doesn't show you the same kind of kindness or support that a stranger would show you it's kind of like all right they're are good people in this world how can I make more room in my life for the good people and how can I you know wean you know myself off of the people who might have been there for a while but aren't in really serving my best interests, really aren't contributing positive energy and supporting me and uplifting me how do I kind of wean myself off from them to create space for the people who are good and you know you meet these people and then they remind you of how beautiful life can be and how beautiful you are and how you know supportive like you can be and how your story can inspire others so it's really this connection and this community that has helped me you know feel grateful for for them and for the opportunity to meet them and do simple things like share you know a glass of rosé in the middle of the day or share some tea at night and light candles or go for a surf or go for a little hike or maybe it's just watching sunset 
the beach, like drinking coffee. It's like such simple, simple things. Like the other day, my neighbor invited me to make veggie lasagna and it was amazing. And I was just like, I was frothing off of this veggie lasagna. And I was like, oh my God, this is just so good. How am I so lucky to have a neighbor who would invite me just to eat for, you know, for free. Like it's like, it's just little things. And, And then also being out and having the experiences, like being out and like surfing and having 20 dolphins just come up to me and blow through their little cute little blowholes and not be afraid of me and want to play or like going out and like hiking up dunes and seeing that there is absolutely no one else on this beach but you there is no one else on this beach but you it is wild and you know seeing the sunset and like seeing the sunrise and just like it's just nature man nature just keeps you so so grounded and it makes you realize how small you are and how and and thus how small your problems are you know like every time you look at up, up at night like if you can like just look at the stars and you realize that you mean nothing like what what is this even like what are we just floating masses of cells and blood and like somehow like like attached to the core of the planet because of gravity but we're all actually spinning and floating and it's just beyond comprehension so if you know that you can't even comprehend things that we actually are it's like why are we putting so much energy into making ourselves feel so miserable like let's just witness the thoughts let them pass and then get back into getting grounded and I think huge part of that is getting into nature spending time in nature learning how to work with nature and you know hopefully be able to kind of like feed off the land and protect the Mm. land and like learn how to you know coexist and and then like building and maintaining really beautiful meaningful positive relationships that connection I read that connection is actually what is going to stop addiction so if you're addicted to something for addicts the majority of addicts will find more of a reason to stop because they're craving connection. So if you feel sad or you feel lonely or you feel anxious or depressed or nervous or unsure, it's like find your people, you know, reach out to people and share simple moments in Mm. a beautiful place with a really positive, um, you know, good hearted person a pure person and that is just going to remind you of the beautiful things that you have to live and work and strive for beautiful thank you so much for oh thank you reminding us of this spaciousness and this adventure of life and giving people just by the nature of you being you to permission to live life more aligned with their truth and with an an unconventionally and to question things and challenge things. And I'm just so grateful for you. And you, you know, you've helped me in moments when I've been like, why do I want these things that no one else wants? And sometimes all it takes is like one or two other people just saying no, like just maybe, maybe there's another way. And I'm so grateful for you for sharing your story and your journey and in continuing to do that yeah oh thank you so much for having me that means so much um you know really pleasure to be connected with you and then have this time and I really do believe that people people inspire 
hope to inspire others to inspire themselves. And for me, I hope to continue um, kind of like giving motivation to people and like hoping to like heal others, help heal others in order for me to heal myself. So um, it all just comes back around. It does. It does. And it's, and it will hit you at different times and in different ways. And, but it always it's always like at the right moment, there will be the right message or the right conversation or photo or, you know, I think we heal in so many different ways every, every day. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's always going to be a process, but the process is what makes it fun. So the least you can do, if you're going to heal, you know, if you're going to be healing anyway, you might as well, you know, go book a flight to a yeah have some fun dude that's the whole point right yeah and I think Byron is an incredible place to heal I remember when I was there I was like this is what totally a place that if you know you just lost anyone or something like that this land will hold you and I think that it's important to remember when when we don't feel supported by our environments and by the places that we're in that we're just not in the right place for us at this moment because there's always a place that's going to hold you and nurture you and comfort you and just support you in whatever phase you are in in your journey absolutely and how beautiful it is that I could end up here at this time so yeah I completely agree groundbreaking so so before we go I'm gonna read this little bit from 11 tides the the opening piece is that all right yeah okay because I'm not gonna lie I definitely started crying when I first read it I was like (laughs) oh my gosh this feeling okay I feel the most in tune with myself when I'm in transit, on a plane, a bus, or a boat. The humming tempo of jet engines whirling, or the windows wide open and the breeze gently kissing my face. It's when I have time to think about where I am and where I am going, because I am almost never certain of how I ended up here. I'm not convinced that the idea of leaving the stable life of financial security behind is truly being irresponsible if you prioritize your happiness more than your social status, because this is the first time I have decided decided to take care of myself. And it started by canceling a flight back home to continue on the road with no set end destination, inviting last minute changes of plans in search of nothing but new memories and worthwhile adventures. And when I close my eyes and feel the wind through my hair, all I want to do is live for this moment, live for this day. I suppose since life never goes according to plan anyways, you might as well shake shit up every once in a while. And I like to think that if you're doing something that takes risk, you may very well end up getting a small reward for having the balls to do it in the first place <laughs> which is so true it's so it's it like is so right simple but so true like hmm maybe once you get past all of this there might be a reward that's way bigger than anything you could ever imagine I really yeah I really do feel that way I really do well where can people find you and connect yeah, on on Instagram at Project Inspo. Inspo as in inspiration. Oh, how how fitting. And um, <laughs> on you can read a lot of the older articles on my blog, projectinspo.com. Um, and I'm always just a little Instagram, Facebook email away for anyone who just wants to have a stranger listen uh, without any judgment. Um, one of the most rewarding things about this journey has been the people that I've connected with and the people who have, 
who constantly remind me that I'm doing what I need to be doing and I am where I need to be because um, it's allowed them to be able to even open up about where they are and where they need to be um, to me. And of course, I have that, there's that layer of comfort because I'm a stranger and I'll probably never meet them in real life. Maybe I will. Um, but yeah, so always just a little Insta message. Um, uh, yeah, Facebook or email away. Beautiful. Thank you so much just for opening your heart and opening yourself up to that. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ruby Ray. I am your host, Jacqueline Norton, and